Thank you for tuning in to the fifth episode of The Shoreward Stacks. I'm Lisa Quintero, young adult librarian. And I am Nick Barron, patron and sometimes volunteer. This is the show where we talk to you about what we've been reading, listening to, or watching. Uh, we also talk to you about library virtual events and what's been going on at the library. So we're going to start off with some... Library news. Yeah, we have a couple of new exciting news items. Uh, one of them is that we are now accepting curbside pickup requests through email and an online form as well. You can find the online form at shorewoodlibrary.org or you can email us your request to shorewood at mcflitz.org. That's mcfls.org for Milwaukee County Federated Library System. We have also increased the amount of things that you could request. Originally our limit was five, but we are now taking uh, requests for more items as well. We just ask that you check County Cat before you call us or email us or put your form request in to see that the item is available in Shorewood because we are only available to or we are only able to fulfill requests for Shorewood items right now. So if County Cat says that an item is due back on a certain date or that it is in repair damage status or that it is on hold for somebody or it is in transit, that means that it's not available for you to check out. But if it says check shelves, then you can go ahead and request it and we can look for it and pull it for you. Uh, the other exciting piece of news is that our due dates have all been extended to June 15th of 2020. So you don't have to return your items until then, but if you do want to return your items, our book drops are still open, both when the library is open and when we are closed. So you can always drop things off and we will continue to put them in quarantine before we put them on our shelves. From the stacks. So this week we're going to be talking to you about stuff we've been watching. Uh, most of it is, actually all of it, is stuff that the Shorewood Library owns. Some of it might actually be on our shelves right now and some of it is probably checked out. But we figured we'd talk to you a little bit about what we've been using for entertainment. We know a lot of folks are also watching a lot of things and might want some recommendations for some new things to check out. But what's your, been your favorite thing that we've watched so far? Um, looking at the list, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Maleficent was definitely my favorite out of the things that we've watched so far out of, out of all the things that we watched it's probably the in certain ways the heaviest mm -hmm. um because of the subtext of of the story but it had a, a really great story a really great message uh it had some really uh really uh dynamic action scenes as well um that kind of balanced things out um but you should probably ex explain a little bit about the story what maleficent is yeah uh, so yeah, Maleficent's one of my favorites too. Maleficent came out in 2014 and it stars Angelina Jolie and it's a Disney film, one of the adaptations that they've done with live action. Uh, it is the story of Maleficent, the villain from Sleeping Beauty, except that in this story she is a fairy who has been mistreated by a young man who turns out to then become the King Stefan, who is Aurora's father, which is then Sleeping Beauty. And so part of the reason that Maleficent curses Aurora is because of her anger towards this man and what this man has done to her previously. And then as the story goes on, Maleficent kind of develops a bond with Aurora and wants to change things, but struggles with it. And, and I can't say anything else without spoiling the movie, so I won't spoil it for people. I'm notorious Lisa, for spoiling things. Lisa is notorious <laughs> for spoilers. Uh, so, but, but it is it is a really good movie. It's It's... Like Nick said, it has it has heaviness to it to some degree, but it's also something that I think you could watch with a child um, that they would not understand the the heavy elements of it so much and would see it just for for a modernized fairy tale. One of the things that I really enjoy is is you know in in old Disney movies the prince always saves the princess, and in this one there is a prince that comes to give Aurora her true love's kiss, and when he comes to kiss her, 
you know, a lot of the, the fairies are like, kiss her, kiss her. And he's like, this feels weird. She's like sleeping. Like, why why would I kiss her? Like, this is uncomfortable. Yeah, this isn't right. <laughs> this isn't right. Um, and I, I think that, you know, it's it's a good modern adaptation with good messages for young people today. So Yeah, and, and on top of that, when I was mentioning the action sequences, uh, I play a lot of a game called Warhammer, um, and which is very similar to uh, to a, a number of different like computer games like uh, you know Warcraft or things like that. And there is some really great scenes where the uh, the uh, dryads and other forest creatures are, are at war with the uh, with the humans, and uh, it is really good like depictions of fantasy battle. Not too heavy, you know. It's not like Game of Thrones or anything. It's a Disney movie, but at the same time, uh, it's it's dynamic, and it, it I enjoyed it. Yeah. So the, it 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 it, it balances balances out some of the uh, some of the other aspects of the of the movie. Yeah, you were you were really excited about the dryads. I remember even after we watched the movie, you you pulled up on the internet pictures of what the game with workshop dryads looked like to yeah. show me that they were very similar to the ones in the movie. And I was like, well, maybe somebody who watched or who, who, you know, created the dryads for the movie was a games workshop 40 K player. Who knows? Fantasy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know my gaming stuff as well as you. Cause I don't play that game. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and so, so one of the other, th- while, while we're, we're um, feeling lively, I want to talk about, Lisa brought home a movie called Benji the Hunted. <laughs> and this this movie is obviously, it's a Benji movie. It's f- was from the 70s? Uh, it's from 1987. It 19- is a movie that I watched during my childhood. Can I explain what Benji is before you go into yes. it? Yes. <laughs> okay, so Benji is a series of movies about a little scruffy terrier dog. And they're all adventures from this dog's perspective. They have no dialogue whatsoever. And they are just, they, t- they tell a story without, well, they, they do have some dialogue, but they, they tell a story through the dog's perspective, and it's mo- like 99% of the movie has no dialogue. And it's very, very emotional. <laughs> and it's something that I know I loved as a kid, and so I was like, I asked Nick if he'd ever seen a Benji movie, and he said no, so I was like, I need to bring a Benji movie home. And I brought one home, I brought Benji the Hunted, and I will let him tell you how he felt about Benji the Hunted. <laughs> All right, so it, sh- it should be noted that that Lisa and I are both dog people, and so uh, watching dog movies it it elic- elicits a lot of emotions. And Benji the Hunted, from my perspective, was traumatizing. Um, so Benji ends up being like stranded on an island and is is fending fending for himself, and he's got to you know deal with predators, and he ends up. Uh, ends up like uh, caring for a bunch of cougars, uh, cougar pubs that were um, their mother was was hunted and killed. And Benji saw it. Like Benji's like, oh, a friend. And then the cougar gets shot. This is all in the first, you know, ten minutes. It's like watching the Pixar movie Up. You know, you're, you're like, oh, this looks cute. And then that happens. And you're like, oh my god. And after that happened, you think, oh, you know, it can't get worse than this. But Benji is just like. Every moment of hope is then is then hit with, oh, you know, he's being hunted by this. He's being chased by that. This horrible thing is happening. And you just, I felt so bad for Benji the whole movie. <laughs> so, uh, Lisa, what's your take? 
So I did not feel bad for Benji the whole movie. I think Benji is a hero. Uh, he's a very scruffy dog that, you know, stands up for these cooer pups. And he sees that they're orphaned, and so he goes and takes care of them. He tries to feed them raspberries, and they're like, no, we don't want raspberries. So then he goes and steals some, uh, like, chickens or, or some sort of ducks or birds that the hunter has hanging outside of his house so that he can feed the cougar pups. And then he, like, spends a good chunk of the movie trying to find another cougar uh, mom to take the cougar pups. And so he spots this one cougar mom, and she has a pup, and so... You know, he gets it in his head that he's gonna he, he's gonna get these pups to this mom so that she can take care of them, because throughout the whole movie we're seeing this helicopter flying overhead with his owner and his owner's trying to look for him. But every time that the owner flies by, Benji hides because he feels like he has to get these pups a mom before he can go and be with his person again. And I just think Benji's a hero. You know, he he ultimately gets the pups a new mom. Spoiler. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> typical. <laughs> and he, you know, ends up, there's a happy ending. And yes, it's a, it's a story of adversity and a story of triumph and a story of doing what you can with what little you have and of being kind and compassionate to others. And so I love Benji. <laughs> it, it is a very sweet story, minus all of the trauma. <laughs> So, uh, let's talk about the house with the clock in its walls. Ah, uh, yes. The Eli Roth film made for children in 2018. So, for those who don't know, Eli Roth is a director who tends to do very dark and gory horror. Yes. Uh, he directed, was it Hostel? Hostel, <laughs> okay. yes. Okay. So, he made this children's movie with, I think it's Kate, Kate Blanchett, right? And Jack Black called The House with the Clock in Its Walls. And it's a fantasy about... A kid whose parents die in a car crash and he gets sent to live with his uncle and his uncle's a magician and his uncle lives in this house, this magical house that that has all these strange things happening in it. And <clears throat> I wasn't really sure what to expect from it because it's an Eli Roth film. But, it, you know, I, I guess I expect it to be a little spooky, but also entertaining because Jack Black is in it. Um, but it ended up just being okay. What were your yeah, feelings I, on it? I, I I thought it was just okay as well. Um, you know, as as far as would would kids enjoy it? Probably. Um, because there's there's a lot of like a lot of like cool and, and weird uh magical type you know imagery. There's creepy puppets, there's uh the the highlight is was the jack-o'-lanterns outside of the house that yeah, they keep are, out, out outside year round. Those are cool. Uh, Especially when they came to life. Yes. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but overall from, from an adult perspective, I think that, uh, it was just okay. You know, if it's, it's free, it's from the library. If, if you need something entertaining, your kid, your kid is, you know, already exhausted all of the Harry Potter-esque type options or want something a little spookier, um, I think it's a good choice. Yeah, I think it's a good choice, especially if you like, if you have kids who like Goosebumps or have enjoyed some of the Goosebumps movies. Uh, it's got that kind of feel to it because it's it's a little creepy, but it's not it's not super scary. Um, you know, there's a mystery element involved, and and um, I'd say probably like an elementary schooler, like a seven, eight, nine year old would would definitely enjoy it. Uh, I remember being into Goosebumps a lot when I was that age. So, all right, good omens. Good omens. Oh, we didn't talk about Godzilla. We're, I was gonna get to that. 
Let's do the movies first and then we can move on to your TV show. Okay. All right. So I'm going to preface this with I was the one that asked for Godzilla. I had heard really good things about the uh, latest Godzilla movie and was excited to check it out. This was not the latest Godzilla movie. <laughs> this was the uh, Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie. From 1998. From 1998. And um, to to preface this again with a different preface, Godzilla was something that I loved as a child. Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, Godzilla versus Megalon, Godzilla on Monster Island, King of the Monsters. All of these movies were absolute classics to, you know, like, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, ten-year-old me. And so I had had heard that this newest movie was was a return to something more akin to that. What the Matthew Broderick movie is, it takes elements of the Godzilla concept. It has a newly imagined looked for Godzilla, and it's basically a Jurassic Park movie, but not as good. Your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree. That last scene, or close to the end, where all the, the babies are hatching, I was like, this is, this is definitely Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it doesn't, it doesn't age well. It's one of those movies that, you know, you can tell it was made in the 90s, and there's a lot of weird stuff that people say, a lot of vernacular that people use that we don't use anymore, a lot of, you know, just stuff that makes you feel a little uncomfortable yeah. sometimes. <laughs> some, some gross sexism and, and that sort of thing. Um, and the, the thing, one of the things that I loved about Godzilla as a kid, even though some of the earliest Godzilla movies from the 50s uh, had Godzilla as being the, the villain, most of those uh, Godzilla movies that I just referenced uh, that I loved, Godzilla actually is the hero. Mm -hmm. And so uh, instead of Godzilla just, you know, rampaging through, through um, you know, Tokyo or wherever and just trashing everything... Usually there was a menace like the smog monster or a menace like um, Megalon and Godzilla had to step in to to save humanity and it allowed the monster to be the hero mm -hmm. and I think, you know, really gives gave a young me an understanding that that animals can have compassion and that they're complex. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was, and, you know, with Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, I mean, there was political subtext in that. It's the Smog Monster, uh -huh. you know, so, so to me, those, those movies were really impactful. Yeah, whereas this one doesn't really have any sort of, or any sort of messaging, it's more just an action movie. So if you just want straightforward action, and you don't mind 1990s sexism, <laughs> or just weirdness, uh, then you can check this one out. I accidentally grabbed it. I thought it was the new one and brought it home and then realized it wasn't, but we didn't have a lot at home to watch. So I was like, eh, I guess we're watching this. Yes. And so and we watched it. it. And I never watched it when it came out. So now I know, and I know never to watch it again. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So now let's move on to series. So like Nick said, we watched Good Omens, which was, uh, came out in 2019 with David Tennant and Michael Sheen. So what did you think of Good Omens? It's, uh, it's based off of a, a Terry Pratchett, Neil Gaiman collaboration book. Yes. Okay. So uh, things that jumped out. As, as soon as it started, if if you've ever read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams, it has that very 
very kind of British literary comedy vibe. Um, Which that, makes sense because it's Terry Pratchett. Yeah, and so so and it, Neil Gaiman. And <laughs> uh, so it's it's interesting in that it takes this kind of kind of vibe. At points, it's a, a little little uh, Monty Python esque, but at the same time, it is a story about two angels, a dark angel and a uh, a light angel, a devil or a demon and an angel, and uh, their their relationship throughout the ages leading up to the end of the world. And um, David is David Tennant. Yeah, yeah, uh, he is the whole reason to watch the series in my opinion like the the series is entertaining because it's it's light and it's comedic david Tennant is fantastic at various points like they show him in like his like long-haired like rebellious devil phase and he like tapped into his inner ozzy osborne uh and it it is just fantastic very very entertaining um but uh but yeah, overall, the series I think was just okay for me, uh, as far as like the overall, like how the st- story built and culminated. Uh, but it was worth the ride just to watch David Tennant. Whereas I really enjoyed the series, but I also am a big Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fan, and I was also a big Monty Python fan. So uh, if you enjoy those things, I, I highly recommend it. Like Nick said, it is about a demon and an angel, and they kind of form a, like he said, a friendship over the ages. And it's interesting because their friendship illustrates how sometimes the evil side is not all that different from the good side and how, you know, these two different sides are are always fighting each other, but ultimately they both in the show want the same thing. They both want Armageddon to happen because it's this big war and they've been preparing for it and it's just the way things are. But both David Tennant and... Michael Sheen, their characters have become accustomed to life on Earth and they really enjoy being among the humans and they just want to keep doing what they're doing and they don't want Armageddon to come. And then along the way, there's also this whole sub-story with this witch, Agnes Nutter. And so she made all these prophecies that of, of what was going to happen throughout the ages like that. In the 1980s, you should buy an apple that's not edible and you would be wealthy, you know, or things like that. And and she passes her prophecies on to her descendants and one of her descendants is supposed to stop Armageddon. And so her descendant is named, I think it's Anathema. And the story is also about her and she's a really interesting and fun character as well. It's, this was the first season and it looks like the, the way that they ended it, it looks like they'll probably have a second season. I believe the show was made on Amazon. And it's, yeah, if you, if you enjoy British comedy, if you enjoy David Tennant, you should definitely check this one out. Like Nick said, mm. David Tennant does an amazing job of, of being this anti-hero. And also the Michael Sheen does a pretty good job, too, of, of being this like, goody two-shoes who is more concerned with himself almost than he is with anybody else. Like he's supposed to be an yeah. angel. He's supposed to be concerned about other people, but like he cares more about like his clothing and his food and yeah, his he's, creature he's, comforts. Yeah, than... he's more more into his his own personal opulence than with his requirements as being an angel. Yeah, yeah. So it's very interesting, and it, it brings up a lot of a lot of interesting questions. And it's cool because, uh, like Kate mentioned in a previous episode, the the narrator is God, and there are these little jokes. She said that happen in the book, and, and God will tell those jokes as asides during the show, and so you get all these little side jokes in there as well, which was cool. 
You forgot about a movie. You forgot about Beethoven. Oh yeah, Beethoven came out in 1992 and I brought it home because it was a movie I remember enjoying as a kid. And like Nick said, we're dog people and it's a movie about a dog. It's a St. Bernard and he is a puppy at the beginning in a pet store and these villains, one of them played by Stanley Tucci and the other one played by Oliver Platt, come in to steal all these puppies for this crime ring that they're involved with. And they put them all in the back of a truck and in the back of the truck as they're driving, one of them gets out as the Jack Russell Terrier and the deck. Jack Russell Terrier is very smart. It, gets all, it opens all the cages for the other dogs and it figures out a way to open the handle of the, the truck door so that both it and Beethoven can jump out. And I, I will I will take the story from here because this is very, very important. So Beethoven, uh, as these, these bumbling villains stop the truck and try to gather up all the dogs. Beethoven runs and hides in a garbage can while the Jack Russell Terrier, which is much quicker, goes bolting down the street. And of course, the Jack Russell Terrier looks back at Beethoven and Beethoven sees that, you know, Beethoven is hidden and, and runs off. And so you see Beethoven end up going to sleep in this garbage can. And then in the morning, the garbage truck is coming and you see the garbage truck, you know, rolling up and, and Beethoven you know, wakes up and is like, oh no, and goes running out of the garbage can across a lawn as a gentleman is picking up his newspaper and goes right in the family's house door. Yeah, so the dog runs upstairs past the, the adults in the house and straight into the youngest child's bedroom. And the youngest child says to uh, her siblings, a puppy, you know, I, I I dreamt I had a puppy and here's this puppy. And so the kids all rally around and they're like, they're, they're all grateful because they think their dad got him a puppy and, and the mom is, you know, excited about it too. And the dad is just horrified because he thinks dogs are messy and dogs, you know, just create pain and, and suffering and that, you know, when the dog dies, we're gonna have to do it all over again and the dog's gonna ruin everything. And, and so he doesn't want to keep the dog, but through, you know, the the pleading eyes of his children and his wife, he decides he decides to keep it. Um, so the story continues with this underground crime ring. We see kind of what's going on with that. And we see, you know, the family drama unfold of of the guy and, and his family because uh, it's it's a 90s movie. And, and, you know, he's he's more involved with work than he is with his family. And, and the, the mom's a stay at home very, mom. And very focused, like like a lot of 80s and 90s movies very focused on success he needs to be a successful man yeah and so the you know he's very focused on work and not the family and the mom gets upset and the kids get upset because they just want him to be around for them and, and be focused on the family and the dog kind of ties the family together and brings everybody together and ultimately ends up bringing the dad in to be a part of everything too later on in the movie but and we find out why why the dad was anti-dog eventually. But, but I, yes. won't, I won't spoil it. Yes. <laughs> do not. Do not spoil it. But there's this under underlying story at the same time that's happening. Uh, it's, there's this crime syndicate and there's this evil veterinarian and he's doing testing on animals. And he wants a big dog so that he can test this ammunition. And so he tries to find a St. Bernard or, or a big dog like that so that he can perform his tests. And so he you know, enacts this plan of, of how he's going to get Beethoven. And uh, I won't say anything more about that because I, I would definitely spoil it. But it's a very hard... I'm, 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 I'm on the edge, was on the edge of my seat waiting for the spoilers <laughs> to start just <laughs> unleashing. But continue. But it's a very heartwarming movie. 
it is, you know, a little dated from the 90s, but not as dated as Godzilla was. And it, or like dated in a different way, not not dated in an icky way, but just dated in a, in a you know, things were, were thought of differently. There, 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 there were a, a, a couple of, a couple of scenes, like there's, there is a scene where, where the, the mom is like, he's trying, he's trying to like bring his wife back into the business she had she had worked uh as part of part of his business uh before they had kids and he was trying to like get her to go back to work with him and there's a a scene with him and david duchovny and somebody else and um she he's he wants her to be a part of this negotiation and she just gets snubbed at every turn and you're just like "Uh," very yeah but other other than other than that there's there's less of of that sort of dynamic than in in uh in Godzilla which is really yeah <laughs> yeah no so it's it's a it's a fun family movie if you like dogs uh no dogs ultimately get hurt it's uh you know and, and it has a happy ending um and beethoven is is very lovable even though he's very slimy yes <laughs> slobbers on everything which is part of the 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 uh children's entertainment aspect of it yeah the the film was i think it was either written or directed by ivan reitman and so there's definitely a lot of like like slime or slime from the ghostbusters that you see flying <laughs> around when the dad's you know picking up shoes or or when beethoven's shaking himself off or things like that but but yeah so those are the things that we've been watching we tried to stick to mostly light stuff just because everything's been so heavy lately and and that's just what we felt like watching. So if you're interested in, in something like these are some some things that we, you know, recommend other than maybe Godzilla. But if you really want to watch <laughs> Godzilla, if you're like if you're like in the mood, because I know sometimes I'm in the mood to watch like I just want to watch a bad movie because it'll make me laugh. Um, and sometimes, you know, that, that's OK. So if you want to just watch a bad movie. It, it... Get Pacific Rim instead, or some 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 <laughs> some movie with giant robots. Like if if you're in the mood for like giant monsters or giant robots, go with Pacific Rim or something like that instead. <laughs> Virtual events. Join Miss Heidi on Facebook on Tuesdays for Rhyme Time Tuesday. Share some of your favorite finger rhymes, lap bounces, and clapping games with your little ones. Art cart online. We know you miss our weekly art cart, and we miss you. Every Wednesday, Miss Susan posts instructions for fun art projects you can make at home. Check our calendar and social media pages for instructions. This podcast is available for streaming on iTunes, Spotify, and Podbean. If you have any questions or comments for the hosts, email us at shorewoodstacks at gmail.com. Until next week, thanks for listening, and be well. The Sherwood Stacks is produced by Lisa Quintero and Nick Barron, with music by Kevin McLeod. The title of this song is Ice Flow and can be found on incompetech.com.